Shalom. Welcome. We're so happy that you're with us today. Welcome, Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. Glad you're connected there. Everybody that's connected with us online, we're so happy you've connected there. Uh, we've got a chat feature there for you. If you have any questions or anything you want to share with us there, just post it there. We have people that will be happy to respond to you. Uh, we're glad that you can follow along and be connected that way today. We are today continuing a series that we started last week called The Promise. Uh, in this series, we're looking at Advent, the arrival of the promised Savior, Messiah, Jesus Christ. And there are four main themes that the church has traditionally focused on at this Advent season. And last week we looked at the first one, which was hope. But there are four. There's hope, there's peace, joy, and love are the four main themes of Advent. So in each of our services, we're going to deal with one of those themes. And this week we're going to be looking at the one of peace. As we looked last week at the, the idea of having hope brought to us in the arrival of the Savior, we looked at Simeon, uh, who was promised by God that he would not die before he saw the Messiah, the fulfillment of that promise with his own eyes. And, and Simeon held on to that hope, and he lived with that hope, and it kept him going day after day in the face of all the circumstances that his life would present to him. And God kept his promise, didn't he? He allowed him to see the fulfillment of that hope. And so we are reminded that we need to hold on to that hope too. It's, a, it's not just wishful thinking. It's a certainty that if God has promised something for us, we can count on it. We can depend on God to keep his promises. Well, there's another promise that he makes, and that's the promise of peace. You see, as we're waiting with hope, he wants us to live a a life that is characterized by a peace that the world doesn't know and that the world can't give us and that the world hungers for and longs for. It doesn't mean that we're never going to have that peace disturbed, but, but there's an abiding peace that he wants us to live with as we live in the hope of the fulfillment of the promises of God for the coming of the Messiah even again. So I want to start again in the Old Testament at God's promises that he gave hundreds of years before the time that Jesus Christ actually came. In Isaiah 9, I want to especially focus on verses 6 and 7 of this prophecy. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. What's that next one? Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Let's take a moment today to pray for all those that have been affected by the storms uh, that came through. So much damage, so much loss of not only property, but loss of life in so many areas around us here. Uh, if you got through it safely, we want to thank God for that. But let's lift up those that are suffering right now, great losses during this time. And uh, we, we've got connections with our church family, with, with family and friends that were in those areas that were hit really hard. Uh, one of our members' hometown is Mayfield, Kentucky. You've probably seen the devastation that took place there. Uh, all of his family is thankfully okay, but the, the city, the town itself was just ravished by tornadoes that went through. But it's not just there. There's, there's many other places too. Let's go to God 
and ask that those people would know where to turn, who to go to, so that even now they can find peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that through your son, Jesus, we can boldly approach your throne of grace and find the help that we need, no matter what's going on around us, to us. Father, we lift up those that have suffered such great loss through the storms that pass through. We know, Father, you, you're there for all of those people. Many of them already know you. They're looking to you. Father, bless them, comfort them, strengthen them. Many others are turning to you right now, Father. And I'm so grateful that you are a faithful God who's always there. If someone would turn to you, you are right there to meet them where they are and provide for them what they need. May they find peace in you. And Father, for those that are searching and longing right now, I pray you would put people around them that would guide them to you. And while we help and reach out and try to provide physical needs, Father, we know more importantly, there's that deep spiritual need that only you can fill. We thank you that you are that for us. We pray that you would be that for all of them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. This theme of, of peace, I think, is, is most clearly connected to Christmas in the passage we want to look at now in the New Testament. It's in Luke chapter 2 in Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. And I want to pick up with uh, verse 8. As we see right up front, this revelation we have in, in this gospel message is that this peace that God offers, that the prophet spoke of, this prince of peace, he came for everyone. This peace is for every person on the earth who would seek it. And in Luke 2, we have that account of after the baby was born, Luke immediately starts talking about these shepherds out on the hillside, right? Let's pick up here in verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know, for these shepherds on the hillside, it was just another night of a very repetitious life. That's what they did every night, every day. That was their job. That was their livelihood. They weren't usually well-to-do people in any way. They were struggling. They were usually people that were honestly not very well-kept as far as cleanliness, you know, well-presented in society. They were looked down on quite often among those that were better off. They were not seen as usually as a group very trustworthy people and here's God keeping the greatest promise ever made to send the Savior the Messiah the deliverer that for over 800 years the prophets have been talking about the people have been longing for God planned it even before that and when he decided to fulfill this most important promise he makes an announcement to a group 
that in most people's minds would be the least likely group God would go to to announce the keeping of this promise. Shepherds on the hillside. He didn't just announce it to them. He did it in a big time way. In a way that, that I'm sure caught them totally off guard. It says very clearly that, that when this angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were what? Terrified. Well, I think you would have been too. I know I would have been. You're out there on the hillside. You've done this your whole life probably. And uh, it's just another night out there doing the job that you probably don't just think is a great job anyway. It's stinky. It's smelly. It's dangerous. And you have to do it night after night after night. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's this being in front of you. And there's this light. Yeah, the, the Bible speaks of the light of the presence of the glory of God. You see it in the Old Testament and, and different circumstances like Moses on the mountainside getting the commandments. You see it with the Shekinah cloud of glory that, that went with the, the people as they left Egypt and traveled to the promised land, leading and guiding them a, a cloud by day and this pillar of fire by night. You see the glory of God manifested over and over again. And, and to be in the presence of the glory of God, these shepherds never thought in a million years that night there were going to be standing in the presence of God's glory but there he was this angel who had come from the very presence of God you see that, that's the amazing thing about the glory of God it doesn't just shine from God it shines through all who are in his presence and connected to him when Moses came down on that mountainside he had to wear a veil that glory was shining from his face because he had been in the presence of the glory of God himself. And here's this angel who came from God's presence. And that glory was with him as he appeared to these shepherds. The word translated terrified, you know what it means? They were scared. <laughs> you know, they were scared. They, they were really scared when this being just suddenly appeared. You know what it's like when you think you're all by yourself and it's kind of dark and then all of a sudden you, you sense a presence right there? That's a scary thing, isn't it? I, I don't know why it is, but my mind always goes to something bad, not something good. Is, is that what your mind does? You're not expecting anybody. It's dark and then boom, you think there's somebody right there. Well, that's scary for us human beings in the flesh. And these angels... They were afraid. I mean, these shepherds were afraid of the angel that appeared. It was just one angel to start with, and there he is. And when I say he, it's because in, in, in almost every, in every case in Scripture, when an angel is referred to with a gender connected to it, it's a male angel. Uh, now, I don't think angels have, you know, the, the genders like we do in the flesh on earth, but, but the names and, and their reference to them is in the male gender. So, you know, I'll, I know usually when we have people play angels in our plays, who do we pick usually? The beautiful little girls, right? They flitter around with their little angel wings, all right? They're, they're the angels. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that that could be a good thing. And, and the whole heavenly host, there's probably some that are would be referred to maybe with a female gender connected to it. We don't know. But here's the thing. Usually in Scripture, when angels appeared, if you go back and read the accounts, uh, sometimes they weren't bringing great news. Sometimes it was a scary thing. It was a, a battle taking place kind of thing. A struggle kind of thing that was happening. 
And so when this angel appears, first of all, they probably don't know for sure it's an angel. So they're scared about what this might be. But secondly, even if they determine this is an angel, their first thought would not necessarily be good. That God has sent one of his angels there that night. Sometimes they came even announcing judgment. So they would not be immediately thinking, oh, great, we're so privileged that God has appeared, uh, sent an angel to appear to us here tonight. See, we, we have to get the context of the setting of what's happening here because we romanticize the whole Christmas story so much. This was a frightening thing that was taking place. But here's the thing about the angel's first words. What were the angel's first words to the shepherds? Do not be afraid. I bet you, I, I wasn't there, and they don't tell us exactly. I bet you there was the biggest sigh of relief on the face of these shepherds when they heard those words right then. Don't be afraid. It's like everything's okay, right? You, you don't have to be scared right now with what's going on here. I love how God... God knows us so well. He, he knows our fleshly tendencies. He knows our inclinations. He knew these shepherds would be scared. And I'm sure as he sent the angel to the shepherds, he said, make sure you, you calm their fears right away. They're going to be scared when they see you right at first. They see this glory shining around you. It's going to scare them. So make sure right away. You tell them that they don't need to be afraid of what's going on here. One of the best things to me about Advent is that no matter what situation you're going through right now, God is speaking to you and to me saying, you don't have to be afraid. Not when I'm in your presence and you're in my presence. You don't have to be afraid of anything. That hard thing you're facing right now, those people that are facing the devastation of the storms, even then, they don't have to be afraid. Not if they're in the presence of God. God's still there. He's still got them, even in the middle of all of that. You say, well, well, people lost their lives. Yes, and God was right there with them and for them too. Even then. You don't have to be afraid when you're in the presence of God. When you know Him, you honor Him. You acknowledge his presence and provision for you. You don't have to be afraid. You may be facing a painful situation right now. Don't be afraid, he's saying. You may be facing unfavorable diagnosis in your health situation. You don't have to be afraid even of that. You may be struggling to restore a relationship that's broken. You don't have to be afraid about what's going to happen. It doesn't mean it's going to happen the way you want it to. You just don't have to be afraid. No matter what happens. Not if you're in his presence. You may be anxious about circumstances that swirl around you. School that you're struggling with. Or job insecurities. Or how to pay the bills. This month. You still don't have to be afraid. Of whatever it is you're going to face. Sue Ann came up with something she said. All, over and over in our lives. Early on in our marriage. Did I really love it? I know she got it from somewhere else, but, but it stuck with me and with her. She says often, don't be afraid of tomorrow because God's already there. 
Whatever you're going to face the rest of this day or tomorrow, you don't have to be afraid about it. It may not be at all what you want. It may not be at all what you plan for, but you still don't have to be afraid of what it's going to be and how you're going to get through it. One time when I was struggling with something, I had a, another pastor mentor say this to me, and I really loved it. I, I, I was struggling with some things and going through a hard time, and he said, uh, let, let me ask you this. How many times has God gotten you through every other hard thing that you faced? I said, every time. He said, all right. Every single time, right? You've had something hard to go through. He got you through it, didn't he? What makes you think he's changed? That this is going to be any different. That you can't get through this one too. And the presence and the power and the provision of God. Boy, I needed to hear that. Don't, don't we all need to hear that sometimes? No matter what it is you're facing. He's already there. He's not caught off guard. He's not surprised by it. He'll get you through it. So the angel says to the shepherds, do not be afraid. But why does he say they don't need to be afraid? It's because, he says, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, that's, that's a good thing right away. He not only says don't be afraid, but he tells them immediately why they don't need to be afraid. I'm here bringing you what, what kind of news? Good news. And who's it for, he says? Everybody. It's for all people. This good news that he's bringing is for everybody. The shepherds, yeah. Even those lowly shepherds that were looked down on by most of high society in their day, even those lowly shepherds, this good news is for them too. I love how God made sure somebody from, from that, what the world would call lower class, blue collar reign of, of society, that God made sure he sent them the message that there's good news for them too. Now, he's not leaving out anybody else. He got the message out to everybody, but he wanted to be sure they got this message too. This is good news for everybody. It's great joy for all people. I don't know if you're like me or not, but when somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor Andy, especially here at the church, I got good news and I got bad news. What do you want to hear first? Well, my mind just starts racing a thousand miles an hour, right? And here's what I always want to say to them. I don't want to hear any bad news. Just tell me the good news, right? I mean, none of us want to be told bad news, do we? We, we only want the good news part. But when I have to choose, you know what I say? Tell me the bad news first because I'd like to have the good news on the tail end of that to give me the hope to keep going like I need to, right? Well, the angel says, I, I've got good news for you. It's great news, and it's for everybody. So maybe you could use some good news today. Maybe you could use some good news this, this Advent season, this Christmas season. And, and, and in the face of whatever it is you're struggling with or whatever struggles you're going to face in the future, there's a Savior born to you today in the city of David. He's Christ the Lord. Good news for you and for your spouse if you're married. Good news for your children if you have children. Good news for your parents, your grandparents. Good news for your grandchildren if you have grandchildren. Good news for your coworkers. That's good news for everyone. Good news for the stranger you don't even know yet. Good news for the enemy that's attacking you. It's good news for everyone. And God wanted to make sure everybody heard the good news. So the good news is this. You've not been forgotten by God. 
I don't care who you are, where you are right now. I don't care what's going on in your life. If you're listening online, where you are at in your life right now, you have not been forgotten by God. Even when you don't feel his presence or sense it, he's still right there for you, for all of us. He's right there. God wants to be sure you hear this good news today. He's come to you. You see, that's what Advent's all about. God himself has come for you. He's emptied himself of heaven and all the glory of heaven to come here for you and for me. That, that's the story of Christmas. I, I, I've said before, I love Christmas movies. I love, I love Christmas celebrations. I love, but, but we so water down the message of Christmas and all of those things most of the time. Most of the time, it's, oh, the Christmas spirit. It's just good time. It's just, it's just you know, it's about the children. It's about family. All those are good things, but, but that's not the core of the good news we're talking about here. It's God came to earth for you and for me. That's Christmas. That's really what it's all about. God coming to us. That's Advent. That's the arrival of God coming to rescue his people. And no matter where you're at or what's going on in your life right now, he has come here for you personally through his son, Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. And here's the amazing thing he says here about this good news. Not only does he come for you, but he's in charge. Right. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the, what's the title? Lord, ruler. He's Savior, he's deliverer, he's the one that rules over everything. So the one who has come for you is the one who has all authority and all power to take care of you, to provide for you, to minister to you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to correct you. He is king And deep down inside, he's the one you've been waiting for all your life, even when you didn't know it. I think you sensed it, even if you didn't know who it was, what it was. We've all sensed, haven't we, that we're waiting on someone or something that will, that will be for us what we need most. And the angel says, unto you is born this day a Savior. He's Christ the Lord. I love how Paul describes Jesus in Colossians 1, 15. One of my favorite descriptions of Jesus there. He says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The first thing I want you to understand about peace today is this peace Peace is here. This gift that God gives is for everyone. And it's, it's given freely to all who would choose to receive it. The second thing we need to see today about this peace is this. When you understand that it, it, it's found in Jesus, you understand that peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God. 
That's the peace scripture is talking about. Not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God. Uh, I'm amazed at how we have missed this so much. Even Christians, even people who know God and know Jesus. Somehow we've gotten this idea that what God's promising here is that if we follow Jesus and let him be the Lord and Savior of our lives, he's, he's going to give us peace in the sense that everything's going to work out well like we want it to. It's all going to be good all the time. Like that's how he's going to give us peace. It's like I'll have peace when God helps me get all my ducks in a row, right? You've seen the meme. It's, it's true of my life, probably yours too. My ducks aren't in a row. I don't even know where my ducks are, right? A lot of times they're just all over the place. I, I can't get them lined up. And if I do get them lined up, they don't stay lined up, right? Uh, you, don't, you know, in this world, you don't get your ducks in a row and keep them there all the time. So the peace he's promising is not going to be everything gets worked out the way I want it to be. Because the truth is, it's not ever all going to get worked out the way you want it to be and stay that way very long. It's not. Not in this world. I've got a slogan I say all the time, and it sounds discouraging, but it's not. It's actually encouraging. I always say this to people, well, this ain't heaven yet. Right? That's heaven you're talking about. If you got all your ducks in a row and they stay in a row, that, that's heaven. We don't have that here. But he's promising peace Where? Here, on earth, right? He's promising peace on earth. So he's not saying, uh, and that's what people say, you know, you see these songs and you see these specials on TV where everything works out and now everybody's happy and everybody, and that's Christmas, right? No, it's not. Christmas is more like the movie Christmas Vacation <laughs> where everything that can go wrong has the potential to go wrong, Right? Don't raise your hand. Some of you have family in town and they're going to stay longer than you want them to, right? Some of you have a cousin Eddie in the family. And it's not always going to be great. I've got family like that and they probably think I am that guy, right? I think it's them and they think it's me. And, you know, things don't always go well. And you, you, you plan, you try to have the right food and the right fun time together and the right activities. And it never works out exactly the way you thought it was going to and the way you wanted it to. And, man, it, you're going to drive yourself crazy if you think the only way you can have peace is to get everything right all the time and to have everything go right all the time. Man, that's, that's not the peace he's talking about when he says... That this Savior, this, this baby that's born came to be the one who would bring peace. When the prophet Isaiah said he's the prince of peace, it doesn't mean he's, he's the kind. What, what, they, what they thought is what we often think. That's why a lot of people missed him as the Messiah. As they thought he would be this earthly ruler who would, by force and strength, make everything be at peace, Right? And their idea of peace was no conflict militarily. No, no, right now they were living under the oppression of the Roman government, right? And so in that generation, they thought peace would be overthrowing Rome and putting us back in charge and letting us rule over our own lives. And then we could have peace. Let me tell you something. You ruling over your life is one of the reasons you don't have peace. It's one of the reasons our peace gets disturbed is we start trying to rule over our own lives. You see, we, we mess it up. 
Given enough time and opportunity, what do we do? Yeah, we mess it up. Every time. Every one of us. We end up messing it up. So the peace is not going to be that we get to be in charge and make everything happen the way we want it to and everybody do what we want them to do. That won't bring peace. Never has. Never will. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. There was a, a very wealthy person who was struggling in life even though they had all this money. But they loved art and they had all these beautiful pieces of art. And they commissioned a group of the artists they liked. This person commissioned these artists to do a painting that best represented peace. It's a contest and he was going to give them a great reward, prize for the painting that best represented peace, what peace looked like. And so these artists that he commissioned all went to work and they presented their, their paintings and they had, this guy had some, some people he trusted in the art world who were going to be the judges and he would be the final determining judge that, that this is the one that won, that best represented peace. And so one by one they presented these artworks and they were beautiful scenes of beautiful sunsets and beach scenes and all, you know, all these beautiful things that looked like such peaceful settings and tranquility and all of that. And, and he kept looking and he kept looking and he didn't pick any of those. And finally they uncovered one of these paintings and, and it was was kind of jarring at first. The clouds, the skies were stormy. You could tell he had put threatening storms, lightning and wind blowing into the painting. There was this waterfall that was just cascading over jagged rocks and, and the water was just hitting on the rocks. You could see, you could almost feel the spray of the, of the water off of the jagged rocks there and it looked very dangerous there over the edge of this waterfall and on, on the side of the waterfall, he had painted in this, this tree, just barely this raggedy looking tree, barely clinging to the, to the rocky side of the waterfall to the cliff there. And there was this one straggly branch coming out of this tree. And in the elbow of that branch, there was a nest. And there was a mama bird on the nest with eggs in the nest. And the bird just had its eyes closed and its wings spread covering the eggs. And the wealthy man said, that is peace. That in the midst of all that was going on around it, there could be peace and tranquility there. Well, friends, if we're going to have peace in this world, it's going to be in the midst of trouble and conflict and things not going the way you wanted them to. People that you love struggling, illness, Financial struggles sometimes. Career struggles. See, those things aren't going to disappear just because it's Christmas. Just because there's an offer of peace. He's saying, I can give you peace even in the middle of all of that. That's the prince of peace. That's the one who so rules over peace that he can manifest it no matter what else is going on. That true peace can be experienced in the midst of the chaos when we recognize that peace is not about our circumstances. It's about our Savior, the one who's faithful to walk with us even through the most difficult times. The psalmist spoke it so well. The 23rd Psalm, we, we, we say that psalm so many times, but he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's the peace that Jesus 
comes to bring. Because we're all walking through the valley of the shadow of death every day, not just when we face death. We, we have death hovering over us every day in this world. It's always out there. Every day we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, every day. But he walks with us. And when you walk with him through that valley, you can fear no evil as you walk through that valley. That's peace. When you don't have to be afraid in the valley of the shadow of death. That's the only true peace. That's the only lasting peace. Because friends, we're all going through that valley every day. John 14, 27, Jesus said this to his own disciples. He knew he was about to go to the cross. He knew they were going to witness things that were going to be threatening to them and scary for them. And he said this to them, peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Friends, they were going to face the hardest things of their lives shortly after Jesus said this. But he said, I'm going to leave you peace even to face those things. But he says, that's not like the world gives. See, the world tries to give peace by saying, we can solve everything, we can fix everything, we can make it all okay. And we all know that's a lie. They cannot do that for you. So what you need is a peace that transcends all of that. And Jesus says, I can give you that peace, my peace. It's far better than the kind the world tries to give you. Romans 15, it says, the God of peace be with you all. See, it's the presence of the God of peace that gives us the peace we're looking for. So we can join hands and say, you know, all we are saying is give peace a chance, right? You know, thinking we could get everybody to lay down their weapons and be nice. And why can't we all just get along? We can keep trying that the rest of our lives and every generation behind us. It's good to try to get along with people, but friends, you can't make peace happen like that. Peace is the presence of God. And when you turn to him and realize he's the source, then you can experience peace. But he added something else that we, we misquote Luke to so often and what the angel promised. He says, glory to God in the highest, verse 14, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, the King James translation said it different, and that's part of how we, we started maybe misusing this verse and, and, and misquoting this verse as if what God is saying is peace on earth to everybody. And that's not what he says. Now, he did say it's available to everybody, but he didn't say automatically it was coming to everybody. Look at that verse again. And on earth, peace to who? To those on whom his favor rest. Whose favor? God's. He's saying those people on whom God's favor rests will be able to experience what? Peace. So peace is dependent on living in the favor of God. That's where you find your peace. Living in the favor of God. We keep trying to find it while living outside the favor of God. We keep trying to manufacture it while living outside what God favors. Thinking somehow we can still make peace happen. We can still generate or manufacture peace in our lives while we're living outside the favor of God. Romans 8 speaks of this, how we struggle with our sinful nature and we're, we're trying to have peace while 
letting the sinful nature rule in our lives. It says this in Romans 8, 6, and 7. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and, what's that word? Peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. As long as we keep refusing in our flesh to submit to God's rule in our hearts and our lives, we can never know this peace that he's talking about. This peace is offered to everyone, but it is found in that relationship with God in his presence, in his favor. That's where it's found. I love it when countries can resolve conflicts and make peace treaties and all. I think that's all great stuff, but friends, that still doesn't bring peace to individual hearts and souls and lives because they still face all the other struggles and turmoil of life on this earth under the curse of sin. And as long as we're being ruled by the flesh, that means the sinful nature, the inclination towards sin that we all have, as long as we're letting sin rule in our lives, we can never know this peace because it puts us not in God's favor, it puts us at odds with God when we keep living like that. The Bible uses this term. We, are, we were all at one time objects of God's wrath because of our sin. Friends, that's not a place of peace to be an object of the wrath of God. Now, how do you become an object of God's wrath? Sin. Willfully choosing and welcoming sin into our lives puts us at odds with God. It takes us out of God's favor when we do that. Now, now God's not being mean about that. Why, why would that be true? Why, why would that cause God to, to not show favor to us. And here's why. Because God knows that sin is what will destroy you if you keep pursuing that. He's not ever going to favor you choosing sin, ever. He's not ever going to favor me choosing sin in my life. Because he knows the hurt, the pain it will bring me and the people around me by, by natural consequence of being around me. If I'm in sin and living in sin, they're going to suffer too. He doesn't want that for them. He doesn't want that for me. So he's never going to favor that for us, ever. What he's going to favor is when I humbly confess my sin and turn from it and seek him in his presence and allow him to rule in my life as he desires to rule. Because when he rules and I'm in his favor, <laughs> that's when I experience his peace. That's when you can experience his peace. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24, it says this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. You know what sanctify means? We might use the term purify or make whole or put back to what its intended purpose was to begin with. Okay, For God, being set apart for God again. You see, our sin keeps us from being set apart for God. But when we are sanctified by God, it means he removes the sin, the impurities. He puts us back to that place where we are now, again, set apart for him, for his glory. That's where the favor is found. And that's where peace comes into our hearts and lives. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Here's the thing about this piece. <laughs> he says it in this passage. 
This peace comes from him, not from us. We keep trying to manufacture it. We keep trying to make it happen. But it's not from us. The peace we can manufacture is so temporary. It's so fragile. It comes and goes all the time. It's not steady. It's not secure. The peace that we keep trying to manufacture, it doesn't last. But this peace that he gives, it's found in him. He's eternal. He never changes. The peace that he gives is forever. And it's not disturbed by all the other junk and turmoil and chaos that's going on around us. It doesn't doesn't change what he's doing for us, his presence for us, his, his power for us, his provision for us. It's not upset by what's going on around us ever. It's steady. It's sure. And that's why it brings peace. Because nothing's going to change it. Nothing's going to disturb it. Nothing's going to upset it. It's secure peace. His presence in our lives brings us peace. Maybe today you recognize your need for peace. Maybe even though you've known Jesus as Lord and Savior for a long time, you've you still struggled with this because <laughs> even though we say we trust him and we, we follow after him, we keep trying to make it happen ourselves instead of receiving it from him. Because the world keeps telling us, you're, you're the one that can do this. You're the one that can make this. You're the one that's got to get it all worked out. If you do this, this, you know, they give you these programs step by step to get your life in order, get your ducks in a row, and make, make your life a peaceful life. And most of the things they tell you to do aren't bad things, but they don't last. They don't, they don't give you that steady peace that you're looking for. If you're looking for that peace in your life, it's found by being in God's favor. Because when you're in his presence and you find yourself in his presence and and in his favor at the same time, (laughs) there's no more secure place in the world you could ever be than in his presence while you're in his favor. And the way you present yourself in a way that you are in his favor is when you're covered by the blood of Jesus And he's Lord and Savior of your life and ruling in your life. That puts you in that place of the favor of God. Because here's how he sees you now. He sees you clothed with Christ. When he looks at you, he sees the covering of Christ. He sees the purity of Christ. He sees the sinlessness of Christ now. When he looks at you, when you're in Christ and letting Christ rule in your life. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means Christ's perfection. His righteousness has been imputed, given to you through what he did for you on the cross. That puts you in the favor of God because God loves and favors his son above everything else. And when you belong to him and you walk with him and you honor him, you have the favor that God gives to his son in your life too. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that even today you promise that you have sent a gift to us it's for all of us who would recognize it accept it receive it it's the gift of peace through your son Jesus and what he came here to do for us father I know many here today they're not experiencing that peace many listening online they may not be experiencing that peace and and Satan wants to keep us from it he wants to 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 keep us doubting it he wants to try to convince us we're going to find it or manufacture it some other way. But Father, help us to know today that if our peace is disturbed right now, it's because we 
We're not living in a favorable way before you right now because we're not trusting you like we need to. We're not, we're not staying in your presence and we're not walking under the authority of your son Jesus in our lives. So I pray for somebody, someone today who needs to take that step to profess Jesus as Lord, to come and accept your offer of making peace with you through what Jesus did for them on the cross and paying for, for their sins on the cross. I pray today they would come and accept that payment on their behalf so that they could come back into your presence and into your favor through Jesus. And Father, for those of us who already know Jesus, help us to be stronger against Satan's deception, making us think that somehow this peace is made possible by some things in the world or circumstances being made right. Help us to know that this peace is only found in remaining in that presence of your spirit and that direction of your spirit that you've given us when we made Jesus the Lord of our lives. May we walk in the spirit, that place of peace and favor and not by the flesh. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.